Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Thank you for thank you for that. Thank you, uh, Chris and Johannes. Um, I love I love what um, love what uh, Luke prayed for and asked for for us to become more perfect and more beautiful like Christ. Um, I, I love what Chris was sharing. Um, it, it reminds me of myself, uh, and I've been so much like that. Uh, that people are just notches on my. You know, I'm trying to trying to 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 disciple them so that I'll be I'll feel like a better Christian. Um, and it, 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 I've never, when, whenever I, I, in movies or on the internet, I see things like pickup lines about like, you know, these are the things you say to a girl when you're in a bar or something like that. And you, you walk up to them and you say these lines that always seem awkward to me uh, and maybe that's because I'm not confident enough to say things like that but like I just I, in my mind I'm like those they sound awful and I uh, and the, the girls will see right through them and maybe you know you've, you've used them and they've worked really well for you but like you know it just doesn't seem very genuine and uh, if you've been a Christian long enough you know that Christians have their pickup lines like this they you know they have these things that they say that you know you sit in a class and they tell you say these things and you walk up to people that you don't know at target or wherever and you say these lines and it's just it's not genuine um it's it's not it's not what i'm asking you to do is something different than that uh, similar to more similar to what chris is talking about walking just alongside people uh, in your life and caring about where they're at and investing your life in them and, they, and their life in you, honestly. So uh, here's the truth. Here's the truth about following Jesus or making disciples. Passing on love for Jesus is, is super hard. Um, passing on your love for Jesus is difficult. Um, and that is, that, is, that is what I'm asking for, though. That is what I'm really asking for. I'm not asking you to, to get them here. I'm not asking you to, to, to help them be nice or be good. I'm asking you to pass on your love for Jesus. You love and follow Jesus, and you're trying hard to pass on your desire for Christ to another person. And it's not like teaching algebra where I can have you come in, I'm trying to help you just learn facts. It's more similar to, to, to my daughter dating a guy who she's come to know and to like, and now she wants me to like him. And that's not going to happen in 30 minutes. Um, that might not happen in a year. Uh, it's going to, and obviously, you know, that, that guy's going to have to overcome like my, my built-in prejudices against people dating my daughter um, and win me over. It's more similar to that. And when Jesus invites us to make disciples, he's inviting you to something more than just teaching the Bible or getting people to be nice or do good things or, he's, or attending a worship service together. Um, he's inviting you to pass on the kind of trust 
and the kind of willingness to follow. And, and it's really, really hard. It is really, really hard. And we don't know how to do it. And we don't know where to begin. And today I want us to think about where to begin together. Um, and I'm going to narrow it down to a couple little things at the bottom. But maybe that's the, maybe the things I specific, but things I don't bring up are, are, are won't work for you. That's okay. Let's brainstorm together about what will work. What should be clear, though, is that doing nothing does not work. If we're followers of Jesus, that, that is... So last week, in the first message in the series, we, we, you know, uh, we talked about... I introduced the idea that an early church leader named Paul wrote a letter to a young man that he had discipled named Titus. And Titus had been given the job of building churches in a place called Crete. Um, and it, and it's, it's an interesting place because it's a place where everybody's encouraged to do whatever they feel like doing. Um, th- th- that if, if, you, if, if it feels best to you, then that's, that's, that's what you should do. So in the middle of that, Paul said this. He says, listen, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And, and what he means by that sound doctrine, it just, he just means you've got to teach what's right. You've got to teach what's true and what's right. Uh, I've invested in you and now you've got to invest in others, make disciples. And and I would make the case that Christ has asked us to do the same. You've got to make disciples and teach people what's good and right. And obviously most of us in the world, we think we all know what's good and right. And all your friends and neighbors, they think they know what's good and right also. But when you teach what's good and right with not just words, but with your actions, It's, it's powerful. It sets, it sets you apart. Um, for these kinds of lessons, words aren't enough. Words are not enough. Did you know that um, interracial marriage in the United States was banned from like 1664 to like 1967? That's a long time. Uh, it's true though. You can look it up. Uh, and obviously for most of you, maybe you have no, you feel like you have no need to look it up. You just trust me. You're like, okay, that sounds good to me. I can teach you for a lesson like this. I can teach you with just my words. I can say 1967 interracial marriage was allowed in this country. You've probably heard something like that before. You're just like, okay, I'm in. I believe it. When we're going to teach what is right, sound doctrine. If we're going to teach people what's good and right, words will not be enough. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody wants to learn integrity from someone who doesn't have integrity. Nobody, nobody wants to learn how to, how to live right from somebody who they're standing around watching do whack stuff. When you see that, you're like, it makes you not believe. It makes you, it makes you, be, it makes you be skeptical. In this verse that we begin with, where it says, you must teach what's appropriate. You, however, must teach what's appropriate to sound doctrine. What it means is you, you can't just say it with your words. Instead of, instead of, instead of and then it's, it's also saying this. So the however means that instead of doing this, instead of doing this, you've got to do this. You've got to teach what sound doctrine. You've got you to live it and you've got to say it. So instead of doing this, you've got to do this. And if, if I said to you, you know, if I said to you something like this, your first question should be instead of what? However, what? 
Like, what's before this? What, 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 what are you talking about? So you want to teach me sound doctrine instead of what? And what, what, he's comparing, what he's comparing this to is one verse above. He says this. To those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. So listen. Listen. Uh, super interesting. My, my friend Hannah and I we were just talking about this yesterday. Jesus followers often will teach something that they think is right while acting like jerks as they teach it. <laughs> acting, behaving poorly as they teach it. And so it undermines what they're teaching completely. And people are like, I'm not, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. This should be concerning to us all. This, this verse should be concerning to us all. Because th- this verse isn't, isn't saying, the, these are people who go around saying, I don't believe in God. Or these are people who are, go around saying, I'm an atheist. He's not talking about people like that. What he's talking about is people who go around saying, I believe in God, but then their actions don't match their words about God. That's concerning. <laughs> That's concerning because I stand up here every week and I talk about believing God and do what God says. But if you follow me during the week, would you might be able to be like, oh, Daryl, remember what you just said on Sunday. <laughs> By not living how he says to live, even though they claim to know God, they, they really don't believe. And that's a that's just, troubling because I know I deny him by my actions. When you teach Jesus, it's always about words and life. Teach with your words and with your life. And here's why. And here's why. Teaching people to follow Jesus isn't like teaching chemistry where you can say, add this chemical and this chemical and you're going to get this reaction. It's not like that. It's not like that. When I'm teaching Jesus, I'm trying to get you to surrender your life. I'm trying to get you to say, okay, and if, I'm that, if, if that's what I'm asking you to do, you're not going to do it unless I'm doing it first. That kind of disciple making that, that Paul is, is calling for happens when you and I tell people to lay down, that, that when you and I tell people Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to do that for one another, let me start. Let me go first. Let me do it. Let me show you how it's done. Let me give my life to investing in you and loving you. And, and, and that doesn't happen in an hour and a half on a Sunday. And it's interesting that in the first half of the Bible that we call the Old Testament, God gave his, his people the ultimate command. And he, he, told them, he, told them to, he told his people to teach, those, teach these, this ultimate command to your children. This is what it sounded like. This is what he says. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, did you notice that? What's the thing described here as life-consuming? It, it, this is disciple-making. You have a person in your life you talk to about loving God with all your heart and then you let them see it and you talk to them about it 
as you, like Chris talked about, coming alongside you in, in your life. You let them see you do it when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And not just when you, when you come to a worship service or when you're in a Bible study or a small group. You let them see it in your life. You invite them into your life so you can see it. And I think that the problem, some of the problems in me making disciples is that you guys see me here only. And when that's true, it makes it really hard for me to disciple you. And, and, I, and let me, let me, and let me say, just say this. Clearly, I can't disciple everyone. But we should all be inviting people into our lives that we can make disciples of and being discipled by someone. So, so that we can teach it by talking about it and living it out in front of each other. Teach it with your words because correct behavior comes from, comes from thinking correctly about Christ, but then teach it with your life so that people can actually believe what you're teaching is true. After Paul introduces this idea of teaching sound doctrine where our words and our actions match, he does something very countercultural for us. Um, he breaks down his audience um, by, by age and by gender. This is what he says. This is what he says. He has specific things he wants to say to men, older men and younger men, and some specific things he'd like to say to women and younger women. So this is, this is what he says. First, he says, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. And notice that uh, the things that Paul's asking Titus to teach older men are all things that truly can't be taught in a one-sitting, a one-off conversation. They're things that are best taught by simply walking with someone else. Not by you just hearing me say them. They're they're best taught by me saying them out loud and then us doing life together. And when you observe my example of of doing my best to play these things out, then you're like, "Ah, I can try more. I I can try to match you on that. I can try to live up to that. So let me break these down. Temperate. Temperate means uh, you, you show moderation or strength, strength that's under control. And Crete men were notorious for using their strength for themselves. Worthy of respect is, 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 is thinking that lifts the mind out of tasteless and crass and, and to, to, things, to thinking that's noble, um, good, or more of moral worth. Um, it's self-control, obvious, but the, for Jesus followers, self-control is from the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the letter to Titus is full, if you've if you read any of it, it's full of these requests for self-control. Full of them. And this isn't by accident. The culture that Titus was living in was full of people who lived for themselves, who thought that getting drunk and robbing people were virtues. Uh, this is, is, is true. This is where they were at. So in contrast to that, Paul's saying, teach older men this message, this message, and don't be so engrossed in yourself. Um, sound in faith, sound in love, sound in endurance. Uh, and this is, where, this is where many, many men fail. Um, they, they start well, but they can't finish. No endurance. And instead of endurance, I like to use the word tenacity. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, tenacity means, you know, it just, instead of endurance, tenacity has more fight to it. It has mental or moral strength to, to resist opposition, danger, or the hardship to face that with courage. I mean, it, it implies this, this fight to it. Many of us have fight when we're younger and then life beats the crap out of us. 
beats us into submission so that we want ease and comfort only. And Paul, Paul could have mentioned all kinds of different things in this letter, but he mentions this because the men, this is what he was dealing with in Crete. The men were selfish pigs who used their power for themselves only, and they could not be counted on to keep their commitments, especially, especially if it turned out to be in their best interest to go back on their promises or to lie or whatever. And this is, how do you teach someone endurance? How do you teach someone tenacity? In real life. In real life. Let me go on. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the, in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So in Crete, Titus is having a problem with women gossiping and being alcoholics. How do you, how do you, teach, how do you teach an alcoholic gossiper to live in a way that's reverent. How do you teach an alcoholic gossiper to live in a way that's reverent? If you really wanted to do that, you, 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 you pull them aside and say, hey, you're gossiping and your alcoholism, mm-mm, it's bad. She would say, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for that. Or maybe you walk alongside her. You invite her to your house. You you invite her into your life. You pick one person and you invest in their life. Find out what they need. Listen to their story. Find out why they're where they're at. When Paul when Paul uses the word reverent here, it means it means conduct um, appropriate for the temple. Um, and some of you guys know some of, you know from from Jewish history the temple was. It was to be treated with the ultimate reverence. And I would dare say that, you know, that we have nothing in our culture that, that, that is comparable to the way they treated the, the, the temple. But let me say this. So I've gotten to do, I've gotten to do, um, to be at and do several weddings in my life. And as a, as a part of, you know, several really fun, wear, uh, several really fun wedding ceremonies. And so it's super fun. It's, it, there's, there's really great. Let me, let me say this. The rehearsals are almost always crazy. Like people are always late, always. Like no matter what time we make it, we can make it at midnight. We can make it at 5 p.m. People are always late. Um, the, the, the guys are, you know, they're super excited to see their people. And so they're, they're always cracking jokes and, and making, you know, no one's paying attention to any of the instructions. You tell them to come here and they, they always... People miss their cues and they don't know where to stand. And people are, and it's, it's always just, it's, it's a hot mess. And everybody's it's just, they're making it just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And what's always amazing is the next day during the ceremony, it's like a kind of holy ground. The ceremony's fun, but still there, it, 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 there's, there's great moments. But no matter how goofy your cousin was the day before, he's on his game that next day. No matter how many jokes that your dad was cracking during, everyone rises to the occasion. People are on time because you know this is this huge, beautiful moment. They, they, they give it this reverence, this, this respect. This wedding is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so let's make it count. Let's rise to the occasion. Paul says... Live at that level. Rise to the occasion. 
Paul says, in, in, in this sense, my life is one of a kind. It's holy ground. Let's make it count. Rise, rise to that occasion. Rise to that occasion. Give your life the reverence it deserves. Paul is calling on women to, to live the kind of life that, that, that states out loud, this is, this is what it's supposed to be like. Uh, elevate your life. And when he says to older women, when you do that, when you live that way, if you're willing, you live in a way that then you have the right to urge younger women to love their husbands and their children. Who, who wants to be urged to do anything by an alcoholic gossiper? If, if that person's in your life trying to get you to do anything, you're like, you have some work to do. When that is who you are, it makes it hard for you to urge anyone to do anything. Some of, some of us have been Jesus followers since we were kids, and, and, and we've been taught our whole lives, if you follow Jesus, your life's not your own. And I, I, I know, I've known that my whole life, but my close relationships, like with my spouse or with my children, they clarify just how selfish I can be. Husbands and children are mentioned here in, in Titus 2, but for, for my single people, it doesn't, it's obviously, it's clearly not just, just, just these intimate relationships. What, what, he's, what he's inviting you to is whoever you are, have committed intimate relationships that clarify. That clarify. It's, easy, it's all, often easy for any of us to go off by ourselves and think that we're really selfless. But invite yourself to, to be in these intimate relationships where you can't get out of them, you can't walk away because people make you angry. Love them. Love them. Paul's inviting, he says, Titus, teach the older women to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Love in those intimate relationships. Stay committed. Be in it. Live selflessly. Love them. And this is, how we know, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to do the same and lay down our lives for each other. Lay down our lives for our people. So at some point when you're a Jesus follower, there has to be this switch to an other-focused life. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together today. So this is a time when we remind ourselves that in order to, to love, we must lay down our lives for one another. So, and we, we've talked a little, we talked today uh, a little more detail about what it means to make disciples. And Paul's trying to say, this, these are specific things I want you to teach people. But the reason why he knows it is because he's been with the people. And he says, I understand what these people need to learn because I've been with them. Part of, part of making disciples is just being with people and finding out what, what do they need and how can I meet their need? And maybe, like Chris said, all you're doing is just walking alongside them. You don't need to know that I'm, a, I'm trying to teach you anything or do anything. I'm just being with you. My question for you is that I want you to consider is this. The instructions that, that Paul's given to make disciples, can you do that by only doing an online version of church where you don't act or interact with people, but only watch what we're doing online. And that question isn't, isn't meant to make you mad for all my online listeners. It's not meant to make you mad or force you to come here on Sunday morning. Um, I'd be glad for you to be here on Sunday morning, but I don't, I, don't, I don't need you to come here. 
If that, if you need to do other things, that's 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 for you decision. But here's here's this is this is a for real honest question. I need you to answer. Can you make disciples by sitting at your house watching us do what we do here? And then and then and then further, for those of you guys who are here. Can you make disciples by simply coming here and watching me talk and listen to these guys play? Can you make disciples by coming here for an hour and a half on Sundays? And the question, obviously, I know, clearly the answer to that question is no. No, you cannot. And so what we all have to do is we have to say, okay, what does this mean? What, do I, what should I do to take a step into making disciples real in my life? If, if, you're, if you think that making disciples is, is going to require more from you than, than, than you can do, then ask, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Help me to, help me to live up to this idea. God, who do you want me to intentionally build a relationship with so that, that you can use me to help further their faith? Who do you, who do you want me to? You know, so, and again, before, before you run out and do anything, one of the, the things that I always forget to do is, 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 is to pray. Father, who could I invest in? Who could I give my life to? Who could I walk, who could I, who could I walk alongside? And, and, and be open. And be open. Jesus commands us to seek his kingdom first. Can you really do that in our worship service on Sunday morning? Um, and <clears throat> maybe that's going to mean that you, you start by having coffee together one time. Get together for coffee and you just say, hey, tell me your story. Tell me where you're at. What, tell me your spiritual journey. And if that intimidates you, I get it. I understand. I Be tenacious. Be willing to lay down your life for someone else. Do not, we are so consumed by accomplishing our own goals and our own things and our own lives. Be willing to sit down with someone and just listen to their story. And they're gonna, they might say things that you disagree with or you don't like or whatever. Don't correct them. Just listen. Just listen. And if it goes good, say, hey, let's do this again. And set up a time to do it again. Maybe it means that, that you have, you, you're in a bridge group or a small group, and maybe that just means you just invite somebody to your small group and you, you just be in their space for a little while. And God will show you the next step. Maybe it means you, invite, you actually you invite someone to live with you. You say, hey, you know what? I'd love for you to live with me during this time frame. Uh, there's all kinds of different levels, but here's, here's, here's the most important thing that you try. That you decide, Jesus, I'm willing, I'm terrified. I am willing to make disciples. Would you show me what to do? Would you show me who to invest in? And then you back up to Titus 2 and you say, these are things that Titus was asking, asking, you know, asking him older men to teach young, younger women. I mean, young, older men to teach older, younger, younger men and older women to teach younger women. Maybe that's where you start. I don't, I don't know. And I'd love to walk alongside you. If you need help, let's talk about it. But make it. 
let me say this. And this last year has been a hard time to lead anything, right? If you're a leader of anything in any way, it's a hard time to be a leader. And certainly church, church is, is not exempt from that. So as we've been thinking about what church is supposed to be as we get through all this whole thing, we've been thinking about this idea that the pandemic has been good for us in this way. It, it, it just shows, it reveals places that we've neglected in the past. And one of the places that we've neglected as leaders is taking seriously the idea of making disciples, not just having people come here for a worship service. I want, and what I'm realizing is this, I can't do this. I can't do it by myself. It will take all of us to do what are the next steps for church. In, and I think in general, but specifically our church for sure, all of us need to be asking the question, who should I personally be discipling? During these next few moments of taking communion together, I, please just answer that question. Am I willing to obey Jesus' command to teach the kind of things that Paul's teaching Titus? And if you are, ask the Father, who should I begin with? Where should I begin? Where should I begin? And I'm not even asking, and maybe the best thing to do is not even ask you to do anything yet, but just to ask those specific questions. Maybe that's where you need to start, just to ask those questions. Am I willing to make disciples? And who should it be, God? And if you're willing to do that, and if you're willing, and if you're brought up, it's brought up to you a specific person to invest in, I just want you to share that with at least one person. To say to, say to, to, to say to one person, hey, listen, I committed, Daryl was bothering me, and I, I, I feel guilty, or I don't want to, but I, I'm just, I feel like I need to, or I love Jesus enough, I don't care what the reason is, to say to one other person, I want to make disciples. And I'm thinking, this is the first person I want to try to invest in. Bring that up to one person. Bring that up to one person. And... and um, in the Bible, it talks a little bit about the authority of the pastor, elders, church leaders, talks about their authority. And the authority really only works is, is if the congregation submits to it, right? I, like, I, I don't really have any authority other than what you're willing to submit to. I wonder if you would submit to this. Submit to what I'm asking you to do today. Answer the question, are you willing to make disciples? Are you willing to make disciples? And asking the question, Father, who, who would it be? Who would it be? During this time of communion, think about, think about that, pray about that. And if you come to the conclusion that that's something that you want to do, share it with someone. Let's pray together. Uh, dear Father, I don't, I, we, there's all kinds of reasons why people might think you've, You've at the very least allowed this pandemic to happen all over the world. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the reason why. I don't know all the reasons why. But I know the things that can come out of it are this. Clarity. Clarify. 
clarify who I've been and who I am and what, what mistakes I've made, um, things that I could be, could be doing better. And, and the clarity that, that has come due to, due to this, this past year has been, I have spent a lot of time on this hour and a half that we spend together, but I have not spent a lot of time making disciples of people personally, one-on-one, furthering their faith. That is what I'm inviting all of us to commit to. All of us to commit to. And honestly, Lord, we don't even know what that's going to look like. And it, it makes us afraid. And it's far easier for, for us to be locked up in our houses or locked up in our offices and, and just to ignore this, this invitation to make disciples. I pray that I pray that you would help us to not help help us to teach teach the older men to to live temperate and and worthy of respect um, and, and sound in, in faith and in hope and love and in, and in, and in endurance and I, I just pray that that. You would give us the self-control that we need by the Holy Spirit to play out obedience to your commands. We need you. There's just there's no way around it. There's no doubt about it. We need you to follow this command. So I pray that you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.